0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, church family, so excited that you joined us today as we are wrapping up our series called A Better Life. And we've been talking all about the Ten Commandments. More specifically, we've been talking about the principle behind each commandment in the Ten Commandments. How these principles stand the test of time. And if we will apply these principles to our lives, that uh, we will live... A Better Life. That's what the series is all about, right? That's what we've been talking about. But I want to remind us of this. Before we get into today is number 10. We're talking about the very last principle here. I want to remind us that God didn't give us these 10 commandments for us to make him happy. He actually gave us the 10 commandments so that we could be happy, so that we could live a better life. It's not just so we can check off a bunch of boxes and kind of earn God's happiness. That's not really what he did. He designed it to where he said, I want you to abide by these principles. And if you do so, you're going to live a good life. You're going to live a successful life here on this earth. It doesn't mean a battle-free life. It doesn't mean uh, all sunshine and rainbows and everything is perfect all the time. No, you're going to face battles from time to time. However, D, you're going to live this overcoming Christian life that God has for you. Uh, in fact, you can think of it this way. You know, uh, a few weeks ago or a while back, my, uh, my old Ford truck broke down. Now, I don't want to hear any Ford jokes. Okay, yeah, I get it, whatever. It's, you know, Dodge or GM is better than Ford, whatever. I'm a Ford guy, okay. My Ford had some issues. I took it into the mechanic, a shop that I trust. And they looked at me and they said, you know, on this year... Ford designed the motor this way. And so in order to fix it, we're going to have to do what they did in order to fix it and to repair it and to make it run the way that Ford designed it to run. Why is he saying that? He's telling me that because Ford is the designer, Ford is the creator, Ford is the one that designed that vehicle, created that vehicle, put together that vehicle, and they did it in a certain way so that it would run a certain way well the majority of the time, and they put it together this way so that it would run that way. Now, if anything goes wrong, what do we have to do? We put it back together the way that the creator designed it to run. In many ways, that's what God has done with this earth. He's designed the earth. He's designed the universe to operate in a certain way, in a certain direction. So if things begin to go wrong, if things begin to continually be in destruction, what do we do? Just like my mechanic goes to what the creator designed the motor to do, we should go and say, how did God, the creator, the designer of this world, how did he create this world to run? If I will align my life with the principles of how God designed it to run... I will get to live a better life. That's a great view of what are these 10 commandments? Are they just these old-timey things that, you know, was for them and not for now? No, it's for us. The principles still apply to our lives today. And so if we'll apply these principles, we will live a better life. So let's look at it. Commandment number 10 is this. Exodus 20 verse 17 says this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. You may be sitting there thinking, "Well, Pastor Dan, I I got good news. My neighbor doesn't have a donkey or an ox or anything, or a a male servant or a female servant. My my neighbor doesn't have those things." But let me look at the original kind of the original uh, time that this was being said. In is this an ox would represent wealth? If they had an ox, that means that they were probably pretty wealthy. And so your neighbor may not have an ox. Somebody you know may not have an ox, but maybe they have wealth. Maybe they have a really, really good job that provides a lot of benefits, a lot of wealth. That's something that you could covet. A donkey would represent transportation. Only the extremely wealthiest of wealthy had horses. And so a donkey was pretty pretty common transportation. And so though your your neighbor may not have a donkey or livestock, they may have a really nice truck, a really nice vehicle that you... Would say, man, that's pretty nice. I wish I had one like that, or I wish I had that one. So today here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about what it was the principle behind this, this commandment of not coveting. The principle is how do we live content? It's the principle of contentment. How do we live content? In fact, I would say this: the only reason that we covet someone else's things or long for someone else's things is when we are not content. With what we have? Why would I long for something else if I was content with what I currently have? Even if it's not exactly what I want. And so let's break this down just a little bit. Point number one today is this we're gonna answer the question: what is coveting? What is is coveting. In fact, let's look at uh, in Deuteronomy, we see the Ten Commandments again, and sometimes they're worded just a little bit different, give us a little more insight. And so look at Deuteronomy 5.21 with me. It says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. So simply this, to covet something, is to strongly desire something. To covet something is to strongly desire something. And in this commandment, hear me in this, God is not saying you shall not have strong desires. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you shall not desire strongly what belongs to someone else. Desires aren't a bad thing. Desires can be a really, really good thing, but where I cross the line is when I start having these strong desires for someone else's house, someone else's specific vehicle, someone else's position at work. When I start having this, that, that's kind of where that line is drawn, where I say, well, that's someone, it belongs to someone else, but I am desiring that a specific thing that they have. Covening is not, though, it's not desiring a better house. It's when I desire someone's house that may be better than mine. Coveting is not desiring to have a better house. It's not desiring, uh, desiring uh, to have a better job or to have a, a better school for my kids. That's not coveting. What God is saying is, is those desires are fine. But an ungodly desire for someone else's specific things is where we get in trouble. Coveting is desiring someone else's things. And I would say this, covetousness, it's kind of a tough word to say, covetousness causes us, if we let it linger long enough, covetousness causes us to resent God. Let me say that again. Covetousness, if we let it go long enough, it will cause us to resent God. Let me show you in scripture, Hebrews thirteen five says this, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with such things that you have. Look, when I covet someone else's stuff, what I am saying is that God is providing for them, doing something for them that he's not doing for me. Uh, God, why, how come you're giving them, providing them that nice job? You're giving them that. Nice house. You're giving them that amount of money in their paycheck every two weeks, and you're not doing it for me. Why are you not providing that that specific way for me? You see how it becomes this unhealthy viewpoint of God, and I start to look at God and I say, God, why aren't you showing up in my life like you're showing up in their life? And what happens is covetousness. If I let it linger long enough, it causes me to resent. God, it gets much deeper into my heart. And this is why covetousness is more serious than we think. Oftentimes we would say, man, I want that truck. I would love to have that truck. I would love to have that house specifically. And we just kind of let it, you know, come out of our mouth. And we just don't think it's that big of a deal. But it's actually a little bit bigger of a deal than we think. In fact, I want to show you a couple scriptures where covetousness or coveting certain things is in a serious list of sinful or ungodly behavior. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5.11. It says this. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous, or an idolater, or a reveler, a rivaler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even eat with such a person. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about how we have got to be honest with other people. And if there is someone in your life that is evil, that is divisive, and you've given them honest, upfront warnings about, hey, you need to change your ways, and they don't, God says have nothing more to do with them. And this is a very similar principle right here. We see this. If someone you're, you're, you're hanging out with, someone that should be a brother, a brother in Christ to you, but they fall into this list, sexually immoral, covetousness, an idolatry, uh, a drunkard. If they fall into these behaviors, what does he say? Don't even eat with such a person. He says, You've got to draw a line because covetousness, coveting other things, if they're constantly talking about longing for something that someone else is, he says, it's a serious matter. Let's look at another passage here, Colossians 3 5. It says this He says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, passions or, or, or passions for the wrong thing, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry covetousness, which is idolatry. Why does he say that? That's, that's pretty harsh language because once again, sometimes we just, man, I wish I had that truck. I wish I had that house. I wish I had that position at that job. Many times we just, we just say it and maybe we think about it, but we don't really put any emphasis on why is this such a big deal? Scripture showing us that it can kind of snowball or go into idolatry if we let it linger long enough. Because here's why. I'm eventually beginning to put someone or something before God. We'll exchange. We'll actually exchange God for that thing that we are strongly desiring that belongs to someone else, right? And here's some, here's some key verbiage that you might've said, or maybe you've heard somebody say, here's some key verbiage of this is happening in my life. You would say something like this. Well, if I had their wife, then my life would be better. If I had their husband, if I had their spouse, well, then if my, if my husband had their, their husband's job, then, right? Well, if I had their kids, <laughs> then my life would be, if I had their job, if I had their things, then my life would be better. And in many ways, what we're saying is this, is that we will do anything, give anything to get that thing that we strongly desire. To get that thing. Again, hear me in this. God is not saying It's wrong to desire, right? If you're a single person in the room, listen to me. It is good for you to to desire a spouse, a, 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 a godly wife, a godly husband. It's healthy for you to desire those things. Where we cross the line is when you are strongly desiring someone else's spouse. Someone else that is already married, that is already someone's wife or husband. That's where we draw the line. However, desires by themselves are not A bad thing. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a second. Point number two today is this, though. We're going to look at a comparison between contentment versus contention. Contentment versus contention. And I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I heard a message from Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Church, and he broke down this comparison of contentment versus uh, contention. Contentment and contention, they sound very similar, but they're very, very different. And I I stole a lot of the principles from what he said in his message. So uh, some of this I got to give credit where credit is due. But both have the root word of content, right? What does it mean to be content? It means to be happy or satisfied, but they're very different words. Contentment is a state of satisfaction, it's being in a state of, I am satisfied with what I have. I am satisfied in this situation. I have contentment. Contention, on the, other, on the other side of it, is a struggle or a quarrel. And so here's what happens. When I am not content, satisfied with what I have, if I'm not content... There will be an inward struggle, an inward quarrel on the inside of me that I will face on a daily basis. There will always be something in my life that I am just not satisfied with. I just can't settle. I just have this this longing for peace, but I will never receive it because I'm allowing contention to come in because I refuse to be content. If you're not living in contentment, you will live in a state of contention. So hear me in this. If I allow discontentment right if I allow not being content if I allow it in and I begin this contention I let the the quarrel inside of me continue to go on and to fight on and to battle on it can lead to unhealthy comparison you see there's healthy comparison and there's unhealthy comparison healthy comparison is this maybe your marriage is not where you want it to be but you have a couple that you know that are kind of mentors to you they're believers and you'd say man their marriage is really great they're producing great fruit their 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 kids are are you know uh, following god i want our marriage to be like theirs so you go to them and you say hey what are some tips that you would give us so that we can have a marriage that's kind of like yours see that's a healthy comparison why i don't want their marriage i don't want their spouse No, but I would love to take the principles of their marriage and apply it to mine, those godly principles, and see God move in my marriage. That's a healthy comparison. An unhealthy comparison is when we let discontentment lead to that contention, and then we begin to compare. When we compare and when we're discontent, two things happen. The first one is this, inferiority, meaning this, your stuff is nicer than mine, so I feel like garbage. I feel like trash. Number two is this, superiority. Well, my stuff is nicer than yours. So I must really be something and you must be trash. Do you see how both of those are two extremely, they're different, but they're not where God wants you to be. God doesn't want you to think you're trash just because you don't have the things that someone else has. God doesn't want you though, to be so exalted that you think that you are so much better than other people that you can't love them or serve them or you think you're so much higher. Why? Because that's pride. So even though those are two very different things, those two outcomes are very ungodly things that unhealthy comparison will lead us to. And here's some examples. Well, I, maybe you would say, I don't have that in my life. Let's look at a few, compar- or a few examples that were, you might have said this, you might have felt this. An example of it is this. When you can't rejoice when someone else gets blessed. When you see someone else get blessed, maybe it's the thing that you've been praying for, you've been hoping for, you've been striving for, and you see someone else get it, can you rejoice with them? If you can't, you might have a little bit of that root of discontentment in there. You might have that, that uh, um, unhealthy comparison going on. Let me take it a step further, though. When someone that you don't like gets blessed, you get mad. Somebody that you can't stand. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's that boss. Maybe it's that that relative and you see them get blessed. You don't like them, but you see them get blessed. And what's your response? You get mad. God, why did you allow them to get that and not me? How come, God, you give that to them, you provide that for them, but you wouldn't do it for me? You see how discontentment, when I choose to not live content, how it leads to that strife between me and God. And that is why this makes it in God's top 10. Why? Why is this principle so important? Because it puts a, a, a wedge between us and God. And we say, God, why aren't you doing your part? And we get angry with God because we think God's not showing up the way that, that we think he should. Look at 2 Corinthians ten twelve. It says this, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Here's what he's saying. Simply put, we tend to class ourselves. Meaning, well, we're here and those people are over there. And they're down there. We're up here. Or we think the other way. Well, we're we're in this group. And man, those people are just, you know, they have so much more than us. They're just so much whatever more than us. And we we tend to class ourselves in a very unhealthy way. But we have to remember, in the body of Christ, we are all co-heirs together. We are what? The children of God. We are not in these different levels saying, well, I'm up here and and at least I'm not as bad as that person. They're down there. Look, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are co-heirs together, working together on the same level, moving forward, following Christ and inviting others to join us as we pursue Christ. And as we live, love and look more like Jesus every single day. That's the goal. But we tend to class ourselves. But a foolish person, a foolish person is what scripture says, gets caught up in comparison. Gets caught up in comparing, well, my spouse isn't like them. My, my, my job isn't as good as theirs. When we get caught up in comparison, it leads us to destruction. And this is the problem with social media. This is why social media is such a, it's a blessing, but it's also a curse. Because you may know people and uh, they'll post about their rock star of a husband, right? Oh, man, I love my husband. He's, he's perfect. He does all this, this, and this. But maybe you know that person. Maybe you know that couple really well. And you know that 80% of the time, all, all that the, the wife does is badmouth her husband, say how he doesn't do anything. He doesn't work. But on his birthday, she posts this really nice post and a long complimentary post about her husband. Look, there's nothing wrong with complimenting your spouse on social media. Don't, don't, don't take that away. Here's what I'm saying. Is many times all we see is other people's highlight reels. And we don't see what's really happening behind the scene. And we compare ourselves to people's best. And we think of ourselves much less. That's not God's desire for you. God sees you. He loves you. He has value for you. Don't get caught up in looking at other people. What they have. What they don't have. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Follow him. And he will guide you. And he will direct you. Look at uh, Luke 12, 15. It says this. And he, Jesus, said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Let me say that last part again. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. What's he saying? Jesus is saying, look, hey, hear me. Your life, even, let me take a step further. Your identity, your identity is not built on what you possess here in the natural on this earth. Don't put your identity in how nice your car is, how big your house is, how many, how many, uh, you know, how much money's coming in your bank account from your paycheck. Look, those things, there's nothing bad about those things. However, that your identity is so much greater than what you possess here on this earth whether a lack of it or an abundance of it, your identity is so much greater. If you will find it in Jesus, you will learn to live content and you'll stop comparing yourself and feeling awful about yourself that you're not as good as that person or maybe you'll stop comparing yourself and you'll humble yourself because maybe you realize that person's struggling and though you may be a little bit farther ahead, but by the grace of God, you're a little bit farther ahead. So hear me in this, your identity is more than what you possess here on this earth. Point number three is this as I wrap up. Take delight before desires. Take delight before desires. Psalm 37 4 says this Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Here's what he's show, showing us here Delight comes before receiving the desires of your heart. When I delight in the Lord, then I can receive the desires of my heart. But here's what this verse means it means that you're going to have to learn to trust God, you're going to have to learn to trust God's timing. You're going to have to learn to trust your relationship with God. You're going to have to learn to trust God. If you will come to the place where you're content and you're delighting yourself in what God has given you, you will get the desires of your heart. But hear me in this. Let me make this even more clear. Some people think that this verse means that if you serve the Lord, he'll give you whatever you want. A lot of people take it out of context. They quote it and they say it like that. Well, if I serve God, he will give me whatever I want. And that's not quite right. Let's look at the verse a little bit differently. It says this, if you'll trust God, if you'll serve God, if you'll delight in the Lord, he'll put the right desires in your heart. What does it say? He will give you the desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. If you'll be content with what God has for you, you'll never have to worry about coveting because here's what happens. I delight myself in God, in my service to him. And I say, God, I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be content and happy with what you've given me because I know that you all good and perfect things come from above. comes from you, who there is no shadow, there is no darkness, it is pure light. And so, God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. And here's what happens. As I grow closer to Jesus, I closer to our Heavenly Father, we become more like him. And what happens is when I become more like him, I begin to desire the things that he desires. And guess what? He desires good things for you. So though you will get the desires of your heart, what are the desires of your heart? They are desires that are God honoring. They are desires that God has placed in you to make an impact in the world around you. It's not just, well, God, I'm desiring a million dollars in my bank account this afternoon. Come on, Lord. No, that's not how it works. Lord, I've been serving you. Give me a million dollars right now. Listen to me. God wants to give you desires that go beyond anything that we can think up as a desire in in our own minds bigger, more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But where does it start? It starts with me making a decision that I'm going to live content. I've got to not covet things. I can have desires. Let me remind you, desires aren't a bad thing, but desires for someone else's things will bring destruction into your life. It will only leave you empty-handed. If you want to live a better life, which is what God wants for you, trust God delight yourself in him be content with what he's given you and you will be amazed at what god does in your life as we wrap up i just wanted to ask you this take a moment today maybe even right now just quietly at your seat take a moment and say holy spirit what are you saying to me through this message what are you saying to me through this message take a moment and just reflect for a second Ask him, Lord, is there something, is there a wrong desire in me? Have I been desiring something that belongs to someone else? Have I been putting my hope in on on if I had their spouse, their wife, their husband? Well, if I had their job. Lord, have I been comparing myself in an unhealthy way? Ask God to reveal these things to you. And I promise you the Holy Spirit wants to answer those prayers. He wants to answer those questions and he wants to reveal to you how you can get rid of that unhealthy comparison, how you can learn to live content because God wants to give you desires that are far greater than you can ever imagine. When we choose to live content, we get to live a better life. Life. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father, Lord. We love you so much, and God, we thank you for your word, Heavenly Father. We come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, as we've looked at your Ten Commandments, as we've dove deep into the principles behind the Ten Commandments, Lord, I just pray that you would bring to remembrance everything we've discussed, everything we've talked about, so that we can live a better life, not just for us, not just to say, look, look at how good we are. No, so that we can live a better life, so we can impact more people, so that people will look at our lives and they will say, man, I want what you have, and we can say, oh, well, I can show you, and we can point people to you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for it. I pray that this word would just go deep into our hearts. Help us live content, and God, as we do, I thank you that you are going to help us live that better life, that overcoming Christian life that you have for us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, Or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.